0: What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky, and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Plummer. Now, here's Balky and Plummer. What is up, a- Astros fans? And welcome to episode 41 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. That did not start out well. Gonna... <laughs> Maybe it's because of this foggy morning. I don't know, man, but that was a almost tweaked right on the, uh, beat one. Uh, I'm Jeff Balky, and my partner, who's looking uh, mighty spry on this foggy well, early morning. It, Jeff Plum. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. <laughs> It's all a front. <laughs> Fair yep. enough. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe. Keep up with us. And give us a follow. Uh, at, I believe in Astros on Twitter. You can find me and Blummer pretty much everywhere. At Jeff Balky. Blummer's at Blummer27. Send us your comments and questions. We'd love seeing all of those and reading them. Oh, and give us a uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if you don't mind. I yes, hate to please. plug it that way. But uh, and if you drop us a, a, a review on there, we would also appreciate that very much. The overlords at Believe would really like it a lot, which is awesome. Um, also, we'd love to see your comments. For example, uh, anybody want to pitch in on signing Carlos Correa to a rec league softball team?
1: Oh my gosh, dude! I think um, that guy's might be where he right? ends up. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he passes the physicals for you know the local uh, I don't know. Baytown Bears or whatever softball club you got going on. Excuse me.
0: On. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> That's the thing. We're not sure if he's going to pass the physical, but we could sign him. We could. We could at least negotiate. Get uh, mm-hmm. Scott Boris on the line. Um, real quick, a word for our sponsor. Uh, bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, including the NFL. Which, uh, if anyone would have placed a bet on the Texans scoring on a oh, two point conversion God. to win and lose the first the first pick in the draft, congratulations. <clears throat> well. You'd have won a lot of money. Let's just put it. Congratulations, Texans, on that complete and utter disaster. a uh, Bowl season, which, of course, Georgia just finished that off. Like, look, TCU, my goodness. <clears throat> I mean, Georgia, TCU, their team has families, man. Just <laughs> murdered them.
1: Um, and
0: eSports, which I guess we'll get on to eSports now since everything else is a—
1: well, they don't. They don't. In order to have an esports contract, you don't need to pass a physical. <laughs> that's it. Well, you,
0: your wrists have to work, though, right? Isn't that part of it, or is it just? I don't know. I would say if you have
1: carpal tunnel, you might be in trouble.
0: Yeah, exactly. That could be an issue. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. It features live betting, free contests, live scores on almost any sport or game imaginable. I wonder if they have the slap contest. Remember those? Is it people slapping people? Oh, I wonder God. if they got those on there. Those I are vicious. On, <clears throat> I might bet on that. The slap best, uh, we're the fastest, and easiest way to bet on all your favorite <laughs> leagues and events. Not we, meaning Blummer and I, but Bet Online is the fastest. You don't want to send us. Well, you can send us money, but we're not going to bet on anything for you. So that's up to you. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. So before we get into anything, Blummer. Good morning. Um, As everyone knows, you are the color broadcaster with Todd Kallis on Astros TV broadcast. And I only bring that up because the Astros have Mm -hmm. announced that you will, well, keep your job. Uh, Congrats, my friend. Uh, Are you happy to be back? How are you feeling? I I passed my physical. (laughs) Did they have to do like a throat test? There was an extensive...
1: Yeah, it was an MRI, CT scan of my larynx and my esophagus, and uh, you know all of the muscles are functioning and in That's the right place. I don't have excellent. any artificial stimulants at least yet, but um, yeah, no, it's it's all good. I am happy. I am good. happy. Uh, you, you know, it's it's it, it's a it's a process, and uh, you know, it's like moving manhole covers over there at AT and T, but. Uh, you know it eventually got done and uh, obviously TK and I are happy to be here because I love my job and uh, in the easiest contract negotiation known to history in the history of man it they finally got it done so yeah I'm happy to be where I'm at very happy That's that's really great
0: and of course everybody you know you, you see on Twitter like it's obvious people wanted you guys back the whole broadcasting team and we should we, we don't want to be remiss and leave anybody out I mean everybody in that broadcasting team is strong like I'm not going to lie to you I had some. I got goosebumps listening to some of the radio, the Spanish broadcasts, like during the playoffs. I mean, those guys have some. They, oh, they Spanish really, ones are
1: good. Yeah,
0: they know what they're doing, right? So, I mean, everybody back, and it's really great. I mean, you and obviously mm-hmm. on TV, you and TK and uh, and Julia have like a very special chemistry. It's very unique, um, and then of course uh, Sparks and Ford are like a perfect duo on radio. So, just a really, I mean, really one of the best. Uh, I think broadcast teams, and you and I have talked about this off the air. So this is not me like blowing, you know, uh, giving you like a nice pat on the back Mm -hmm. on the air. I've said this. I think you guys are one of the better broadcasting teams as a whole um, in sports, and so it's good to have you back. Because let's be honest, who else are they going to put in there? I don't know what they're going to what they would do, but I don't think. it's not going to be better.
1: Well, shoot. Now that you put it that way, I should have held out for a little bit longer and seen if they would have stepped up a little bit more than they did. But, uh, uh, you know, you know, I
0: I was just going to say, give me, I'll give you my card later. I can be your agent
1: next, next time. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. And you know, the, the, the best compliment I can, you know, I get is that, you know, the chemistry is good and it, you know, it's not false. You can't, uh, you can't, uh, you know, yeah. You can't falsify that. It's it's got to be pure because you can definitely tell in some of the tones of, when you're listening to broadcast whether or not people like each other and how they re- interact with each other. But there's a pure there's a pure enjoyment for TK, Julia, and myself to go on a broadcast and have some fun, talk about baseball. Obviously, we we are we we love our jobs. We're entertaining, but at the same time, you know, Julia was over at the house yesterday for the uh, for the for the national championship hmm. game. And we hung out with her and her husband. And, you know, it's it's not just on camera. It's off camera, too. We're constantly talking, interacting, having each other over for football games or events or family events, birthdays, things like that. And uh, one thing that Julie and I were talking mm-hmm. about is that we are so grateful that TK is on our team because he is easily the most prepared play-by-play guy that we've we've listened to, worked with. He's unbelievable right. at what he does. And it's we make a joke because... Our producer will talk to Julie and I to get us ready for games he doesn't talk to TK TK he's like TK's good TK's fine he'll right he'll he'll drive this ship in the right direction we'll be fine so you know there's a certain comfort level with TK we, yeah we're very good at what we do and we love it.
0: I think that's that's really important having somebody you know driving the ship that knows what they're doing did uh, did Julie and her husband bring um, any of their oh, hundred uh, rescue dogs with them? <laughs> to your place to watch the national championship <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no it, it's it no there's a her husband has an affinity for one of our dogs oh. not the one that's screaming in the background but the other one the 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 youngest one uh she
0: good grief. hey mine are gonna do it any minute uh, now
1: so don't worry I'm sorry <laughs> Oh, no, all- uh, we have a Catahoula Leopard. Dog. Oh yeah, those are great. Yeah, we have a Catahoula Leopard dog that has some serious energy. She's gorgeous, but Matt loves that dog.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, there, you know, I highly approve. They are obviously very involved in the Houston Pets Alive thing. I am a big animal rescue person from going way back, so I'm I'm a big support. I support uh, the Houston Pets Alive organization. So, hey, good for them. I mean, we have, honestly, it's kind of cool. We should talk about this sometime about how the Astros organization has sort of become an -hmm. an animal rescue organization. I mean, Lance, I mean, they've rescued all the cats around Minute Maid and Lance McCullers has all these animal things that he does. I mean, it's really kind of fascinating, you know?
1: No, it is. And you know what? You know, just to compound on that fact and just, you know, stroke the city of Houston, it's one of the most charitable cities I've ever seen and been around in my life. And then you add the Pet, uh, you know the pet aspect to it, and that SPCA uh, building that's down almost downtown that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, there's a certain uh, charitable nature and uh, philanthropist uh, ideology down here that uh, overwhelms you at times because they want to they want everybody to be comfortable. But the pet aspect is something that is extreme down here in Houston. But it's a lot of fun to see you know an organization and everybody be like minded in the sense that how important animals are in this world, but they've done a very good job, and Julia is really at the forefront of it. You talked about Lance McCullers Jr., but, you know, Julia, being around her and how much work she's put into that, uh, yeah, she's done a great job at that.
0: Yeah, she sure has. So let's talk a little baseball here. Carlos Correa, we got to just say something because now they're oh, saying he might go back to the Twins? Like, I mean, I I'm, have you ever seen anything like this before, Blumberg? This has really got me flummoxed. Man, I'm so no. confused by all of this. I mean, what what do you make of this situation?
1: Well, there, there's so many different things to it. it you know, it, it's it's the leg injury, it's the physicals, and then it's the money, the years, oh. uh, you, you know, the billions of dollars that are being thrown around this off season, and then all of a sudden you get to the one guy where you expected who took it. <laughs> who took a chance on himself, took a short-term deal with the Minnesota Twins. You know, the COVID year, the lockout, there were so many strange things going on in that last free agent market uh, last year. And then you fast forward, Carlos says, this is my pocket. There's Xander Bogarts, there's Trey Turner, there's Dansby Swanson, and then there's me. And I I thought Carlos Correa was the best option out there because he's a platinum glove defender. He's a middle-of-the-order guy. He's a leader in your clubhouse. Uh, He's not afraid to speak his mind. This guy, he is the total package, and he got a total package deal from the Giants. Poof. That disappeared because of the medicals. He gets a, he immediately, what was it, It seemed like it was less than 48 hours, he gets a deal from the Mets where Steve Cohen's throwing around money like it's nothing. Yeah. And then, poof. (laughs) That's gone because of the medicals, and all of a sudden he's going back to the girl he left at the altar, with the Minnesota Twins, who offered the sweetheart deal of having the opt-outs every year. And now, who knows if he's argue, you know if he's negotiating a similar deal where hey, thirteen years, but I get an opt-out every year if I want it. I don't know what's going on, and but for whatever reason, the Minnesota Twins are back it's, in. It's so weird. And uh, I read, I'm sure like you did. That talks have been accelerated with the Minnesota Twins. This is unbelievable. It's just one of the
0: most oddball situations. I mean, let's just say right now, it's a good thing this is playing out in sort of the deep, dark recesses of the off season and not like right up in spring training or you know, that it's happening you know now when there's really not much else to talk about, you know. Uh, uh, and, and I, I mean, we've seen a few guys get signed here and there. I, you know, I think we saw was the Marlins signed a pitcher and a couple of guys get signed here and there. It's, the, that's, a, it's a time of year, but it's just so weird. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he has gone through all of this when, like you said, and I agree with you hundred percent, I think out of all the superstar shortstops that were on the market, he was the best prospect for all of the reasons you listed. And, um, it's just, I mean, I, I admittedly, there are probably some Astros haters out there who are having a lot of fun with Carlos Correa not uh, getting this, but but the oh. truth of the matter, I know, I don't want to right. Yes. but the thing about it is is that Carlos is is such a good dude and he's gonna make a lot of money. so nobody should feel sorry for this guy, you know. Um, but nevertheless, it is weird. Um, and if I were Carlos Correa, though, I would say this much. Assuming he can keep his medicals together and he doesn't wind up with some sort of, you know, career threatening injury based on all this. If I'm Carlos Correa, whoever signs me, they're getting somebody who's going to be really pissed off. You know, I mean, if, if, if this doesn't drive somebody mm-hmm. to want to be great, uh, not that he already isn't, this would certainly do it.
1: Yeah, and he kind of falls in that mode, a mold of the Astros who are used to the vitriol or used to that and almost use it as fuel. So I agree with you in the sense, going back to your initial yes. comment, you know, this is a guy, he's a lightning rod, he's polarizing, he stepped out in front, you know, telling Bellinger to STFU, you know, he, he is a guy who said, you know what? I'm pretty confident in my abilities, and I'm pretty confident that I don't like what you're saying, and I'm going to go out there and protect my guys and go out there and have this conversation. And he put himself out there. He was a part of the 2017 Houston Astros. We know what that brings with it. And he kind of embraced it and used it as fuel. And now you've got these contract negotiations and the question marks around his health. All that is, I agree with you, is going to fuel him to go out there and perform uh, as good as well as he possibly can if not better and i think that he does now you know he doesn't need the chip yeah. on his shoulder but maybe this whole situation will add that chip to the shoulder and make him a better ball player but it's such a unique situation all the way around for agents for for trainers for medical staff for organizations and owners to look at this whole situation and i'm sure there's going to be a template in place after this that that is You know, this is setting precedent where they're going to have a template on how to work with these guys. Because to be honest, having this situation happen with a position player is crazy to me. Because usually it's a pitcher, you know, with a tendon issue or a shoulder issue. How many times has that thing been stapled back together? How many Tommy Johns has this guy had? You know, Nathan (laughs) Ivaldi down in Texas can get a big old contract and say, Yep, we're going to take that elbow and see what we can do with it. And it's had a couple of surgeries on it. So that's where, you know, I think we're a little more curious, what exactly are they looking at in these medicals? that explains that they can't go out there and sign a guy with prolific talent like Carlos Correa. That's what I'm curious about.
0: I know. Is he like a medical miracle? Like, does he have a vestigial tail? Like, what is it that is wrong? Like, is he, you know, I mean, what is the deal? I mean, it's just like, I, every time is it like, is he like part lizard? Like, do we not? I mean, it's just, it's so weird that we're going through all this. And like you said,
1: we find some crazy DNA in there. Right.
0: Exactly. It's like, is he an alien or is it, is it because the government needs him You know it's like i just find it you're like you're you're exactly right Mm -hmm. this is exactly the kind of thing that you would see with a pitcher and reasonably so if a pitcher has had some issues or if they find something in the shoulder that's that's a realistic not only does that is that threaten a player's career but it also threatens their ability to perform well like pitchers sometimes don't recover from those types Mm -hmm. of things right um but, like, a lower leg oh, yeah. injury for a guy like Carlos Correa that happened in 2014 and now we're in 2022. Like, it's, I mean, the fact, that, the fact that we are having this conversation is sort of disturbing, you know, that we would have this conversation given the fact that, I mean, this is the kind of conversation you have with somebody who's, like, like has a degenerative bone condition or something, or like, you know, suddenly they found out he has ALS. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's very, very weird. Um, I'm going to be very curious to see how the whole thing plays out. Um, like I said, I think he's going to be pissed. I think he's going to have a good season next year. Um, and I just, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, just keep him away from the Astros. I mean, the twins. Okay. The Twins aren't probably going anywhere, but just generally keeping away from the Astros. But speaking of contracts, I read something today, and I was curious to get your take on it. They are getting ready to, you know, for the first time in baseball history, they're going to have a union representation for minor league players, uh, which I think is great. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, these are eventually, many of them are eventually going to be major league players. Uh, But not all of them. And in fact, I think it's only, I think I read somewhere that it was only about uh, something like 10% of minor league players would spend like reasonable amounts of time in the major leagues over their careers. Um, How do you view this as a former player, somebody who, you know, I'm sure had to go through the system yourself, um, that these guys are negotiating, because they want like better transportation, they want better hotels, you know, they want you know better you know and obviously obviously baseball pays for some of their housing and you've got guys living like four to an apartment and stuff like that it's like a, it's like a frat a lot of times down there mm-hmm. how do you view this Blummer? like what what do you what do you think of the uh, yeah.
1: positive negatives here well obviously a lot has changed from back in my day you know so <laughs> it, it, there, there's a lot of things that have, have evolved and you know The expectation for ballplayers 10, 15 years ago was I'm going to grind in the minor leagues, get my at-bats, and get my innings in, and I'm going to get to the big leagues if that's the path for me. And if I can stay healthy enough, long enough, and perform well enough, I will be in the big leagues, and I'll look back at my my minor league career and say it was worth it. But there's a lot of guys out there that don't get the opportunity to get to the big yeah, leagues. And you wow. sit there and go, well, I just toiled and made, you know, 1500 bucks a month to $5,000 a month. And I've got nothing to show for it except I've, I've now I put on my resume. I'm 29 years old and I've been playing a sport and how do I get a job kind of thing. So it's it, it's been tough. But it also, 10, 15 years ago, you had, you know, you had... Uh, two low-A teams, you had two high-A teams, you had a A, double-A, triple-A and then you had extended spring, you had uh, Dominican Summer Leagues, you had Arizona Leagues, so there were a lot of players out there, so there was a numerous amount of guys now, with the way it's been set up, and I think a lot of this has to do with the timing of the situation, because they've restructured the minor league system. So a lot of these organizations have really trimmed a ton of fat off of these minor league systems. So now you're not trying to just sign anybody you can to fill out a minor league roster. You actually have an idea of who you want to place in AA, AAA. -hmm. AAA is no longer a holding ground for some of these salty vets who have a cup of coffee who might fill in later. These are prospects now. Everybody at every level is a prospect. And I think that now with knowing that, is that the resources are maybe a little more plentiful because you don't have as many guys in the minor leagues. And so it's lent itself to the opportunity for minor league guys to go, hey, we're underrepresented. We need a little bit more of your resources to be able to compete at a high level. And my idea is is these minor league guys are an investment. This is the future of your ball club. So if you can represent them and if you can present them as an investment to these organizations, maybe the organization will be a little more conducive to the environment and enhancing it. I know that a lot of these stadiums are getting retrofitted for gyms, for batting cages, for bullpens, for technology to help these guys become better athletes, to become better ball players, to make your baseball team that much better. Yeah. And I think now too, with the draft going on and realizing how, you know slot money and how much money is being invested in these oh, guys, yeah. you just don't want to fire them off into Butte, Montana, and say, "Hey, if you want to get out of this you know, get out of this situation." You know, play better. Now you're going. Okay, I got to make this situation better so that he, so that this player can play better. And I think that's where the mentality is at right now. So I hope it moves in the right direction. Obviously, there's going to be limitations because you're not that quote unquote big leaguer yet. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be some incentive to play better. But I think if you make that environment better, it's going to make the product better. And these guys are going to increase their opportunities to become better ball players and help these organizations.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's all excellent uh, information. And, and I, I agree with you 100% about how the minor leagues have changed. Although, why you got to take a dump on Butte, Montana?
1: Man, I almost did. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just, you know, it, it's crazy. Some know. of these ballparks, Butte, Butte, I remember. Butte, Montana. Yeah, but there was a play. I remember vividly. In my rook, my first professional season, I was playing in the New York Penn League mm-hmm. for the uh, Burlington, Vermont Expos, and we went through Auburn, New York, and it was the Auburn Astros. What? And we showered. It man, I technically, technically, we cleansed ourselves <laughs> in a in a in a room that had. Had basically fire like hoses dangling from the no. roof of the you know the ceiling of the place, but we, there were pallets on top of dirt. So if you didn't have shower shoes, you were walking on wood pallets to shower off. So you know, what? that's part of the idea is yes, we want a little bit better pay, but we also need some decent facilities. I mean, some of these places we went through, I wouldn't even put I would, you know, I was shocked that they allowed this. You know, there was no health commission, you know, making sure that these were facilities that you could actually house human beings in. But uh, it was just the nature of the beast. We knew, that, that I knew going in, it was going to be, crap situations unless i played better so you know that's how it was back then but you know now these guys have better opportunities and obviously the money's being allocated a little bit more appropriately to make these stadiums nice and make them nice for the fans too there's a good product out there in a lot of these minor league cities i gotta tell you the story about
0: fire hoses dangling over wood pallets is going to haunt my dreams like it sounds like something out of a horror film my god what was the worst what's the- is that the worst you ever saw when you're on the road? oh yeah
1: hands down <clears throat> hands down I mean until I got to Wrigley yeah. field and uh <laughs> Wrigley field and I realized that uh, it, it was barely bigger than you know the, the theater room in my house and you know I got to know a lot of guys intimately in that clubhouse in Wrigley field for all the wrong reasons
0: <laughs> dude that's you know <clears throat> I'm not gonna go off on a tangent but I have a couple of friends. My friend Andrew Dansby writes for the Chronicle, and Craig Lavadi, who's a used to write for the Press. We like to exchange stories about our horrible locker room experiences, and we're not athletes, right? Um, so I can only imagine mm-hmm. the tragedies that occurred in uh, that occur on a regular basis inside professional sports locker rooms. Um, God knows I've seen my fair share of uh, naked old men shaving their arms at the sink. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason whatsoever, <clears throat> so I can sympathize. That's it's a really it's yeah. interesting perspective I'm on the on the players, though. I do think it's important that I'm I'm kind of surprised they haven't had a union up until now. I mean, I get it. You know, there's a lot of control uh, and all that, but um, you know, considering that these are like you said, they're trying to really slim this down and make this a. um You know, a way to deliver prospects, not just, hey, we're going to have these minor league teams and maybe a few of these guys. Why wouldn't you want to make it more efficient? I feel like the NBA Mm -hmm. has done a really good job with that with their G League uh, teams where most of those guys bounce back and forth all the time. You know, they Mm -hmm. have two-way players that they can send back and forth, um, and they've done a good job of using it as as a training ground for young players, right? Obviously, in baseball, there's a lot more players, so it's a little bit different, but uh, it seems like they would want to make it more efficient.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's also interesting too. Th- with you know, w- with them slimming down these minor league systems, they're trying to enhance. Because you got to think about what a, what a, if I'm an 18 year old coming out of high school and I'm I'm a blue chipper, I'm a top 10 pick or a t- or top three round pick, and I've got you know I've got uh, the Tampa Bay Rays coming at me with you know saying I'm going to be their t- their number one pick this year guess who they're competing with? They're competing with an SEC school that has this, or you know, some of these Pac-12 schools, or the ACC that have these just glorious locker rooms. They travel on on um, chartered flights to all of these games that they're going to. They've got NIL money. They've got their they're serious competition to try and peel that 18-year-old away, not just with the money, but with the situation they're being put into. You know, I know if you want to go to the University of Arkansas, yeah. you're going to have a, you know, a recliner and you're going to <clears throat> have video games. You're going to have uh, meals sessions. I mean, it's, it's remarkable what the college game has done to try and compete with some of this you know first-round uh, pick money. To go to the college ranks, so now the you know now on the base the professional baseball side, you've got to look at it and go. Whew, okay, we got to pay them. We got to make it uh, worth it, worth their while to come here and play for us. And we got to tell them that we're actually investing on in them to get better. Because some of the technology I know in uh, collegiate baseball, especially Division One, they're competing with some of the TrackMan, Hawkeye, and all of the other uh, technologies that are out oh, yeah. there to enhance their ability to go play the game. So you got to keep up with them.
0: Well, not only that, but let's be honest. I mean. You can either go stay in a crappy two bedroom apartment with three other dudes who you don't know and who probably smell really bad most of the time mm-hmm. or you can go to a beautiful college campus filled with co-eds. Like what would you rather do? I mean, it's, you know, it's a it's, uh, yeah. it's a real tough decision, mm-hmm. I got to tell you. No, you're right, Blummer. It's that's 100% right and I think, you know, <clears throat> I wonder if baseball is going to have to allocate a little bit more money for these minor league teams. You know, I mean, Look, they have to try and make a living too, and they do get obviously. Major League Baseball gets a cut of their revenue. It's going to be an interesting negotiation to see what happens because these minor league teams are not owned by like billionaires. Yeah. you know, it's not you know, we're not talking about Jim Crane and you know and uh, guys like that that own these minor league teams. It'll be really interesting. But since we are in the middle of the off season, I had a inter- I had a question for you it came up. A couple of people have asked me this, and I and I told them I would ask you about it. You know, J.J. Watt retired here this week, you know, the end of an incredible uh, career for him. I wondered, you know, and my father-in-law actually brought this up for me, Um, what is the most difficult thing to leave behind when you're a player and you're making a decision to retire? I'm sure, obviously it's different for everybody, but... um, I know lots of guys talk about the camaraderie and and all of that. Some guys like to travel a lot. I mean, you obviously get to go a lot of places and stay a lot of in a lot of nice hotels <laughs> and you know travel first class. What do you you know at least for you? What was hardest for you to leave behind when you did finally make the decision to call it quits? Uh, you know,
1: there there there's a couple of things. Obviously, the clubhouse atmosphere is is unique in sports just because you do have that camaraderie granted there's going to be a couple of bad apples that you don't get along with but for the most part a majority i would say 98% mm. of your career you're playing with guys that you enjoy and if you're all pushing in the same direction you're having great seasons you know there's 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 a certain enjoyment and kinship in knowing that you're you're playing at 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 an elite level and i think one of the things for me when you know retirement came about i went i'm no longer a ball player I'm no longer one of the elite, you know, I'm going right back into the GP, the, you know, the general public, and I'm just going to be a guy again. And so that's tough for some guys. And then the competitive nature, how am I going to feed that competitive nature? Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys have an issue, you know, with, uh, unplugging themselves because you go so hard for so long. And then it's such an abrupt stop to things. And you're, At the end of your career, if you've played well, you're in your mid to late 30s. But if you didn't play well, you're in your early 30s. It's like there's a huge chunk of life left after that. Um, So you're trying to fill those voids. But for me personally, the thing that I miss the most is running onto that field. There is nothing like knowing that you are the only show in town and that they have built this coliseum, this, this... this structure yeah. that holds forty to fifty thousand people, and they are above you, staring down at you. You know, it—it's it, not the same, but it's similar to the, you know the movie Gladiator when they just kind of pan around. Uh, you know, Russell Crowe and he's just looking yeah. around, and you just see the, the the fervent you know atmosphere just circling around that gladiator is you're out there and it's kind of a crude representation because obviously it's not life or death but it's the same situation where people are just enthralled waiting to see uh-huh. what you're going to do next and I miss that anticipation of what, what's going to happen when that ball is put in play. What's going to happen when that ball comes out of the pitcher's hand? That anticipation, that's what I probably miss the most. And it's not the adoration because I miss the booze just as much as I miss the cheers. You know, it, it's the environments and knowing that you're playing on one of the most pristine <laughs> surfaces on earth. That was manicured for me to go out there and play the game of baseball. That's what I miss most, and I also miss looking over my left shoulder and seeing, you know, a a guy like Adam Everett, or looking across the diamond and realizing I'm throwing the ball to Jeff Bagwell. Those are the things I miss being on that field and playing in the moment with those guys.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned that's hard to replicate. You know, like uh, you know, it's it's a unique circumstance because like guys that. You know, if you're a, if you're um, mm-hmm. in any unique circumstance where the public is involved in your, whether you're an artist or a musician or whatever, you can still kind of replicate that, even if you're not, oh, even if imagine. you're not really famous, right? You can, you can, you know, still perform and you can still do things like mm-hmm. that. But when you leave sports, you kind of have to leave sports. I mean, it's not like you know, you're not going to get the same thrill by going out and throwing the ball in the backyard or you know. Uh, going to, you know, hitting things, hitting in the batting game. When's the last time you took a swing?
1: Oh, it, like, it, legit. that's easy. Uh, legit swing. I think it was 2019 <laughs> when they were still doing the, uh, the Astros legends week and, uh, they had the home run derby, uh, for, oh, yeah. for legends guys. So I think it was 2019 where I legit took a, you know, a swing and was trying to hit him out of the ballpark at Minute Maid Park. But uh, you know that was the last time I took an actual physical swing How many did you get? with some authority. I only had three, you know, three or f- three or five or something like that. Yeah, um, I, I you know I was just uh, I think I was just a show pony at the time. I think uh, Brian Bogushevich and Luke Scott went out there and just started dropping haymakers into the second tank, and I was like, yeah, those guys are good. They have fun, boys. I'm going to be over here hanging out with Steve Sparks, commentating. You know, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, that's awesome though. It, it must be. It must be cool to hit a, to be able to hit a ball out of a ballpark. You think you can hit one out right now?
1: If, if I, I would, I would need. I would need a good week. I would need a good week of of getting ready to go do that. You know, and I would need a very light aluminum bat. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, the, there's nothing. Nothing wrong with the ping. Well, there's certain things in life because we've all, you know, we've all been to the local gym and stood at the three point line and fired up a shot and heard it swish and and the, that sensation. Like there's certain things in sports you want to oh, yeah. do. It's like you want you want to you know form tackle a guy for a sack. You want to catch an interception, run it back. You want to, you know, you want to slam dunk. You want, but hitting a home run, there is no there i've yeah. talked to guys that have hit 400 500 home runs and everyone uh, and then myself who hit a couple it's like every guy is like there's no better feeling than hitting a home run i mean the 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 connection and the purity off the bat Watching in anticipation as that ball flies and then see it land in the seats and realize that you get to take a luxurious casual stroll around the bases after doing that, there's no better feeling than hitting a home run in the big leagues.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that that to me is what's cool about it is the casual stroll around the bases. I mean, there's there's no more there's no to me, mm-hmm. there's no greater flex than the stroll around the bases (laughs) i mean in any sport there's not i mean you can you can obviously have celebrations (laughs) in uh in the nfl and whatever else but Mm -hmm. there's nothing cooler than the bat flip and the just a nice little truck just like trucking around like just jogging around the bases nonchalantly um that's and honestly um what always gets me too is like I think out of all of the last-minute heroics, the, the the walk-off home run has got to be the greatest. <clears throat> Last-second shot in basketball is incredible. Yeah, it's incredible and it's super fun to watch. Um, uh, but it, in basketball, to me, it has to be more than just one shot. Like the Tracy McGrady, like thirteen points in thirty-five seconds, whatever. That that's a different. Oh you know, gosh, that was yeah. that was beyond incredible, right? But the walk-off home run. Mm -hmm. it's just it's magic it's pure magic because once somebody hits it that's the other thing too about the great thing about the home run is when somebody hits it there's that second where it's like is it you know, just like you for a second, you're not 100% mm-hmm. sure. And then you are, it's just there's so much about it that's really just
1: fantastic. Yeah, are, you, are you telling me you don't replay the uh, scene from The Natural when he hits that final home run and just the music and the theatrics and the time? And, you know, that's how every home run's hit, right? Yeah. It's just the anticipation of, da, 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 you know, and all the it's music so, playing yeah, in the exactly. background and the pageantry and the fireworks, you know? <laughs> But that's uh, that's how every uh, walk off home run should be because right. it, that that's the finality of it. And you get you again, it's not like you struck out the last hitter of the game and you high five the catcher. It's it's a majestic blast. It lands in the seats and then everybody in the stadium waits for you to get to home plate and then you start bouncing. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah,
0: that is pretty damn cool, no doubt about it. All right, one quick thing as we get uh, we're we're a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting, which is incredible. So spring training is coming. When do you normally go down as a broadcaster? When do you typically head down there? I know that since you're a TV guy, you're not doing every game, obviously some towards the end. But do you go down there regularly, Mm -hmm. like sort of early on? Or do you wait until you're going to broadcast games? What's your typical schedule when it comes to spring training?
1: Um, I'll usually get down there a day early, you know, just uh, so that I can make sure that the next day. Because these are all day games, you know, in spring training. So the scheduling's a little bit different. But I'll try and get there. You know, For a a 1 o'clock game, we'll usually get there about 8 or 9 in the morning so that we can go on the backfield, talk to Dusty a little bit before they start working out and start going through their fundamentals and uh, whatever they have for that day before they go play. And that's always the interesting thing, too, in spring training is that you basically have a full practice from 9 to 11, and then you get a couple hours off, and then you go play the ball game. And uh, that's where you get to kind of go out there and kind of be Mm. seen, reconnect with guys, catch up with them, and then when they take batting practice, linger around the cage, talk to them, how was your off season? what were you working on, and things like that. But spring training for us is really an opportunity to reconnect Uh, with a lot of these guys and then with some of these rookie guys that uh get invites to camp it's your first opportunity to actually get eyes on them instead of watching video from the space cowboys or from corpus christi you know you get to go you've heard enough about them now you get to see them talk to them watch how they move in person which uh kind of explains a lot and really helps my job putting my eyes on those guys to to create an impression on how i want to speak about them when they're playing but uh That's usually typically how it works. And uh, in spring training, it always opens up a unique opportunity not just to call uh, TV games for AT&T, which we do, but we don't do all the games, but I'll go down there and call a couple of radio games and sit in for Steve Sparks, sit in for Robert Ford and give them a little bit of a break, which uh, opens itself to another opportunity in another medium and work with Robert and work with Steve Sparks, you know, and have some fun that way. But uh, I'll usually go down for about a week. Even if we're only calling three or four games, you know I'll be down there for seven days for three, four games.
0: Uh, how many games? Do you know how many games you guys are calling this season on TV? Uh,
1: no, nothing has been conf- yeah, no, nothing has been confirmed, but it's usually between eight to ten games. And uh, this season's going to be a little bit different just because of the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, Classic is going to be being played. Right. I, I think, yeah, I think there's a potential. Tentatively, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up and then let them down, but there's tentatively a possible opportunity of Omar Lopez, the first base coach for the Houston Astros, phenomenal human being, great baseball coach, who is managing Team Venezuela. And I think there's an opportunity for us to possibly tentatively hopefully broadcast a team Venezuela versus the Houston Astros in some way, shape or form. And, uh, that would be a lot of fun That's because cool. obviously Jose Altuve and some of the other Venezuelans <clears> that are around the league playing for, uh, Omar Lopez and team Venezuela could open itself up for a lot of fun for a broadcast. So that there's a potential for that. And then, uh, obviously you want to broadcast early in spring broadcast late in spring and, uh, then game on for the regular season.
0: Absolutely. Um, Uh, I just out of curiosity with those games like that, when you're broadcasting, I know the world baseball classic, how do you, I mean, you've worked around them before. Um, how do you think it impacts the team? I mean, do you think it's Mm -hmm. because I mean, we are going to, I think it takes like about two weeks of spring training before I think that's about how much it, it covers, uh, maybe maybe a week and a half, 10 mm-hmm. days of spring training before the players get back. Do you think that impacts guys negatively at all, or do you think it's a good um, thing?
1: I think it's a good thing because there's actually a lot of uh – enthusiasm by players representing their countries. And I love that part of it. And baseball has become such a diverse sport. Obviously, there could be more diversity uh, in the game, but there's such a a strong Asian contingent, Mm -hmm. such a strong Latin contingent. And then you start to take the Latin guys and separate them into Venezuela, Dominican, Puerto Rican. And then you get to see that enthusiasm that they have playing and representing Mm -hmm. their countries. And then obviously here stateside, you have some great guys. Even Australia has some pretty good ball clubs. And you start to see the game of, of baseball expand and I think guys really enjoy that they enjoy representing but I also think that it op- it allows the opportunity for guys who maybe on the fringes get the chance to be on the big stage and represent and play some really competitive baseball. I like the fact that they do it in spring training because because it's not a regular season injury issue it's it's still going to be competitive but it's it's in spring training where yeah. you're kind of preparing for the regular season. And I like the idea of having that in spring training. So if there is a a tweak or an injury, you don't do it and lose time in the regular season. Hopefully it's just an injury that you can recuperate from and be ready for the regular season. Because obviously there's some some uh, issues with health. You want to make sure you're ready for the actual paying job. But at the same time, I think Major League Baseball yeah. is doing a good job of allowing these guys <laughs> in spring training to go, go play for their countries. I think it's a great thing for the game. I think it's a great thing for these players. And I think the timing of it is actually relatively good for the game. Because spring training can get a little monotonous. And then you throw the WBC in the middle of it, and all of a sudden everybody's like perked up, their ears are up, right. and they're like, like, oh, hey, man, look at the pad. You see that game? So I like
0: it. I think it's good too because it does overlap just a little bit. So if it's overlapping with spring training, it's kind of like part of spring mm-hmm. training for the players who are doing it. And most of the guys who are playing in these things are, you know, professionals yeah. who've been around. I mean, Jose Altuve knows how to get himself ready uh, for, a, for a season, hopefully sooner oh, rather yeah. than later because Altuve doesn't always start the season very well. So so hopefully maybe this will uh, jumpstart him this year. Um, all right, thanks everybody for joining us today, Blummer, Any final thoughts mm-hmm. before you uh, you head out for the? Looks like the fog is cleared. You could get some. You could get uh, eighteen holes in today if you wanted.
1: Yeah, there's a window. I, th- this week I've been crazy busy because there's a there's a unique opportunity actually happening with AT and T Sports that I'm excited about. So make sure you're following uh, me on social media at blummer 27 both on Twitter and Instagram, uh, because we're trying to put together some shows that will be very interesting and then you also have the Astros caravan coming up next week you have the Astros fan fest coming up so a lot of now that, oh, the, yeah. now that the contract is signed we can start to cement some of these opportunities and, and appearances which means that the season is coming up very quickly and it's going to be a lot of fun
0: absolutely we obviously everybody's thrilled to have you back me personally i'm glad to have you back uh, I'm, you know, we're gonna have it's gonna be a fun season. Thank you. coming up for sure, and we will be back on this podcast yep. later this week. Brought to you by Bet Online. Huge thanks to listeners and viewers all over the world. You guys are awesome. Keep liking and subscribing. Keep giving us them five stars on Apple Podcast uh, to so to make us happy and and please our overlords. Um, we are super thankful for all of you guys, uh, and so keep it coming. Just 78 days to opening day, everybody. So get it ready, get yourself prepared, do what you need to, get lots of stretching, drink a lot of fluids, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Astros.